make it. So Chi Ming said about 60 people. I stopped counting after the after 50 people came because uh, I could not be distracted. Uh, and then I also stopped counting after 11 people came forward for prayer. Um, some for themselves, but uh, also we had some who stood in proxy for, uh, say, a sick father who was in the hospital. Uh, so I want to thank God for, for that. And there was such a sense of uh, a peace in my heart. Uh, that night, it just felt so, so great and, and peaceful. Uh, still early days yet, but we'll see what happens. And we'll see the Lord uh, surely uh, working. But why, the, why a healing prayer uh, service? And this was a slide that I showed last Wednesday. Our purpose is to pray in faith. That's what we're here for. We pray to our Heavenly Father. And our motivation, of course, is that God will be glorified. But it's not so much that we, we do something, we accomplish something, and God's name is, is glorified. But more, as we learn from the Good Shepherd, that uh, Jesus was motivated to heal by what? By compassion. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. That when Jesus saw the large crowd, he had compassion, and then he healed the sick. And, and so we just follow our Lord, right? It's, it's so terrible. You know it when you're sick. You know it when someone else is sick or a loved one is sick. And out of that compassion, we pray to Almighty God. But it is God's prerogative to heal. He will heal whomever, whenever, however He heals out of a sovereign act of His grace. Last Sunday, Dr. Ping said that I will answer all your difficult questions. Uh, but you know that my, my experience in this area of praying for healing and what some people call faith healing, which has tended to have uh, gotten a very uh, a negative connotation now, or, or divine healing, so I like to use the word divine healing, my experience is very limited. Since four years old, I've had asthma, and I've been seeking healing ever since. And I've tried everything. Okay? I've tried eating bats, okay? bat as in Batman, bats. I've tried crocodile meat. I've tried uh, stuffing a chicken inside a pomelo and then double boiling the pomelo. Uh, I've tried quails, you know, little birds, that you squeeze the beak and you suffocate the, myself. I've done it. Uh, you cannot kill by chopping the neck. You just let the quail suffocate and then you boil it in something and then you eat that stuff. Uh, everything except one that I just couldn't take and that is a live baby mouse that you swallow with warm milk. Okay, that one I could not do. Uh, that could have been my healing, but I, I couldn't do that. I've even tried arsenic, and that was inadvertent, okay? Years later, I found out that this particular Chinese medicine was, was and I have arsenic poisoning. And I have tried prayer, okay? Many people have prayed for me, and they tell me that you just need to claim it by faith. You declare with your mouth, yes, I have been healed in Jesus' name. Believe it, and that settles it. But when it didn't happen, then they turn around and say that you don't have faith. That's why you are not healed. And, and I've also been taught to reject your asthma. Okay? You say, God, I reject the asthma in Jesus' name. And I've been taught, don't say my asthma. Don't say, this is, uh, I have, uh, uh, this is my asthma condition. Don't say it's yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. Don't say that. So I tried also to respond in faith and I stopped my medication. Didn't work. But I, I thank God at least now, one, one daily dose of, of a, a puff that I take in the morning puts my asthma under very good control. I don't really have a problem with it now. But as to a complete healing, as to completely no medication, it hasn't happened yet. I've also had VMR, what is called vasomotor rhinitis. That means uh, I can't breathe through my nose. And I've been breathing through my mouth for years now uh, when, when I was younger. And surgery was recommended. Um, I don't think I prayed very hard over it. But uh, after seeing a different doctor, I'm not completely healed of that. Uh, I can breathe through my nose easily. Uh, absolutely no, no problem with that. A year ago, I could not raise my right hand like this. It's only up to here. And I certainly could not bend my hand to scratch my back. 
Uh, and MRI showed that it was a torn shoulder ligament on my right shoulder due to over-exercise. And surgery again was recommended, but I thought, let's try prayer and try some physiotherapy. Um, I showed my MRI to Dr. Peng, who came last Sunday. He said, you better go for surgery. Okay? While you're young, you better go for surgery. While you don't have a heart condition and all that. So I said, let's try physiotherapy. Let's try prayer. And now, no problem. Okay? Am I totally healed? I'm not sure yet because I didn't go back for another expensive MRI. But I know that the pain symptoms and everything else um, is, is gone. I have a stomach reflux problem as in the acid will rise to, to my throat and gives me a sore throat. Off and on, every few months, I double, bend double with pain in the middle of the night. Um, I may be an LTC, a lieutenant colonel, but actually I think I am an RSM, a regular sick man. In 1994, my older son, Yehan, was diagnosed, uh, I believe I've shared this before, with moderately severe hydronephrosis. That means something is not working well in, in his uh, uh, kidney. And also one of his kidneys was enlarged, 25% bigger than the other one. And again, I showed this, this diagnosis to Dr. Peng. And I remember his words so clearly in my mind. He says, this is very bad news. This is bad news. My son was then eight years old. And you pray only as a, as a father can. You pray only as a parent can. And then after a whole series of very unpleasant tests where they stick stuff into like many orifices in your body. And we went to SGH for another scan. And this result came out. Uh, basically, it says there's nothing wrong with him. The, the kidney is not enlarged. There is no hydronephrosis. There's nothing wrong with him. So much so that we kept questioning the doctor, are you sure? Are you sure? Did you get the scan correct? And then this doctor said, don't you believe that God can heal? And then we were like so rebuked. In that same year, 1994, my younger son had difficulty breathing. And he was, again, always breathing through his mouth. And every morning, he was like sneezing and all that. And found that he had this like adenoid problem. I don't know exactly what it is. And surgery was recommended. And you pray as only a parent can pray. And nothing happened. He went through surgery. And I had to walk him through surgery, carry him. At that time, he was five years old, into the surgical room. And then the nurses asked, Little boy, you want strawberry flavor or chocolate flavor for that uh, anesthesia breathing thing? And he chose chocolate. Uh, and then we went through. When we finished, I carried him out. Five years old, he said, I'm dying, I'm dying, because there was some pain uh, where they cut away the adenoid. There was no healing, and I had to walk him through it. But somebody else was walking me through it with him. God walked me through him. I've been in this church 33 years, and quite a lot of that time in, in a leadership position, as in uh, from deacon on. And I cannot recall ever our leadership discussing wanting to do a healing service. Seriously. Not until last year. Even though all of us good Bible-believing brethren knows that one-fifth of the Gospels talks about healing and Jesus healing out of compassion. And then I searched through my notes and I found this email that I sent to uh, Pastor Chiming on Friday the 13th, April 2012, last year. And I, I just very quickly typed in, want to think about special healing prayer meeting on Wednesday? Maybe we can do it two to four times a year. Very simple one to start, simple worship like we normally do on Wednesdays. Uh, a better worship will also be good. Uh, a simple, short sermon, mostly anchored on Bible verses on faith and healing. Or we just read Bible verses without sermon. We pray for the sick, we intersperse it with worship, faith songs, etc. And then in future, after this start, we should have testimonies to share. And then we can include that also to build faith. That was April um, last year. And then we uh, raised it with the, with the elders, we brought it before the diaconate. At that time, the diaconate was studying uh, matters of the Holy Spirit before we presented it to, to the church. Uh, you remember, we have a Holy Spirit series last year with Jim Simbala. And the diaconate also studied what is this faith and healing. Some of us uh, read through uh, stuff on word of uh, faith. There is a, 
a movement uh, in Christendom called Word of Faith. That means you speak on it, it will happen. Uh, then there's Bill Johnson, who is very uh, famous for, for divine healing in California. And then we studied systematic uh, theology from Wayne Grudem. And we went through all this. And by January of this year, 2013, the diaconate approved um, going ahead unanimously. Every single deacon and elder we asked, are you okay that we begin a healing prayer service? And every single one said yes. After that, we went to visit different churches. We visited Living Sanctuary, who has uh, this thing called Healing Rooms. I'll talk more about that later. We visited uh, Bethesda Bulldog Tampines, where Dr. Peng came from. And we also visited Church of Singapore in Marine Parade. And then I remember in uh, May of this year, I got Dr. Raj, who uh, studies these things, to talk to the diaconate about this topic, responding to claims of supernatural healing on the 16th of May this year. And he picked out one quote, Rodora Saria. Let me read that out. Uh, I came as I am, and I was healed because I believe. I came to healing rooms as I was desperate in need of prayers. I was healed of the excruciating pain on my back that I was experiencing for over three months. I was also healed of hypertension and diabetes. One time, I came to pray for my chest pain, but God revealed to the ministers that I had to deal with unforgiveness concerning my marriage. All glory to God who gave us hope. Praise God. How many of you know Rodora? None here. Rodora was our church member. For many years, I think around about last year or two years ago, she decided to go to the church nearer her home, and she lives way out there in Pasiris. I checked out Healing Rooms. There is a website on Healing Rooms from which Dr. Raj took this uh, testimony. And there are 162 testimonies there, going back from 2003, I believe, until this year. And of all the 162 testimonies, Dr. Raj picked this one, Rodora, whom he does not know, like all of you. He does not know there ever was a Rodora who was a member of our church. And so if you want to quantify a miracle, this is a 1 in 162 miracle, 0.617% chance of this happening. I admit to you that I'm very skeptical. And so I wrote an email to Rodora and asked her. I wanted to see how miraculous was this miracle. I said, are you still taking medicine for your hypertension and, uh, and uh, diabetes? I also asked for her permission to share everything here. And she agreed. Because uh, we'll talk about type 1 and type 2 uh, errors later. So she wrote to me, Dear Pastor Kokfai, I praise and thank God that my testimony would in any way be of help in any form of the future endeavours that PPH is taking. I'm very cautious about the three highs. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar. That's why even if the intercessors say I'm healed, I still continue to take my medications on a regular basis and I still go for my regular checkups. But the doctors are surprised that my condition is normal all these five years. The doctors ask me if I'm seeing other doctors. I told them I'm seeing Dr. Jesus. And then she said, I believe you, that is me, I believe you have the gift of healing too. I still remember Raul, Raul is her, her husband, was very sick that time when we were still living in Clemente. His urine got blood and he was running a high fever for more than a week. You came and prayed for him. He was healed and the symptoms disappeared. Twelve years ago, I also asked you to pray for a child in my class in St. James Kindergarten. She still works as a, a teacher there. The boy had severe eczema to the point that his body was covered with fresh wounds. I remember you said that that was the first time you were doing it and you said it was a long-distance prayer. The boy was healed and his skin is smooth with no trace of wounds. What do you make of this? Was she healed or not healed if you continue to take medicine and your, your condition is well under control? That even doctors are surprised for five years now. So, sort of like Mary, the mother of Jesus, I just treasure this email in my heart and I'm still pondering over it and I'm sharing with you so that we can ponder together. At the same time, we asked Dr. Raj to teach us about what is type 1 and type 2 errors. Okay, type 1 error. The patient claims that he is healed. 
we accept the claim, we believe Him, then we are right. So we praise the Lord, we accept the true claim, and we can put a smiley face on. The patient claims he is healed, we accept his claim, and we are wrong. We found out subsequently that he's not healed. So we have accepted a false claim, and that is a type 1 error. We are fools for accepting a false claim. We are naive. We are gullible people. What is a type 2 error? The patient claims that he is healed. We reject that claim. We say, rubbish, you are not healed. And we are right. So we have just rejected a false claim. We are discerning people. We have wisdom. The patient claims he is healed. We reject his claim and we are wrong. Actually, he is healed. We have just rejected a true claim. And that is a type 2 error. We have not given glory to God. In fact, we might have grieved the Holy Spirit. So, what happens when we are too accepting? That means we believe everything. Ah, oh, yeah, everybody is healed. We are likely to be type 1 people. That we are sometimes can be naive. In fact, sometimes we do harm when this guy says he's healed, refuse to take medicine, and then it gets worse. We are gullible people. What happens when we are too skeptical? Then nobody ever gets healed. No glory ever goes to God. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. So in general, we will say that doctors are usually, in general, very concerned about type 1 error because it does harm. Right? You just claim that you are healed, you stop taking medicine, and it gets worse, and then you, 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 you die or whatever. And in general, pastors are very concerned about type 2 error for fear that glory does not go to God, that there is one healing in your midst, in your church, and you say it's not, and no glory goes to God, and you grieve the Holy Spirit. So although I'm a pastor, but actually I'm closer to the doctor's end, more skeptical than accepting. Well, Dr. Peng says that I will answer difficult questions. Let's try FAQs. Uh, not that you guys have asked me, I just figured this out and I, and I we'll, we'll see, we'll see. The first question is, does God heal today? I hope that Dr. Peng has answered that. I don't need to do that, uh, uh, cover that. Uh, I've journeyed with Dr. Peng all these 30-some years and and I believe he has done a good job. Uh, a lot of credibility coming as an elder and as a, as a doctor. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult for doctors. You, know, you have to understand doctors. Huh? The way that they are trained and the, the, the nonsense that they see happening huh? in this world of what I call quackery. Right? If somebody, uh, you know, even like last week I heard somebody went down, downstairs to their void deck and met somebody who give a cure for cancer. Uh, some months ago, I, one of the older ladies I, I visit, who has since passed away, went downstairs and there was somebody who says, when I massage, massage you, your cancer will go away. You know, all these kinds of things are happening around us. And so we don't blame doctors for being very skeptical, uh, skeptical about, about such things. So, but does God heal today? I hope it was answered. Second question, is my sickness due to my personal sin? What do you think? Original creation, when God finished creation, He said that it was good, which means it was perfect. But sin entered the world due to Adam's fall. And so in a sense, this question, this, this answer is yes. Right? We have sickness because sin entered the world. But what about personal sin? Okay, so let's read from Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Some men came bringing to, to Jesus a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking such things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then further down the passage, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
And so he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this, made, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Your sins are forgiven. And then he was healed. So sin is linked to sickness, but not very direct in, in this instance. Let's take a look at the next verse in uh, John chapter 5. This is the story of the invalid of 38 years who was sitting by the pool of Bethesda. And after he was healed by Jesus, Jesus said this, John chapter 5, verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This is very direct. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So sickness is due to sin. But sickness is also due to Satan and demons. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, they brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. A direct linkage from demonic oppression to mute, muteness and blindness. In Luke chapter 13, verse 16, Jesus healed a woman who was crippled, bent over for 18 years. Well, by, by the looks of it, it sounds like osteoporosis, right? Not enough calcium. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Jesus healed her. She was able to straighten up after 18 years because Satan bound her for 18 years. So yes, sickness is due to Satan and demons. So sickness due to sin, sickness due to Satan and demons, sickness is also due to none of the above. In John chapter 9, from verse 1, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. None of the above. If you read the book of Job, what happened to Job, all the disasters that fell on him, including sickness, he was filled with boils all over his body, and he also had halitosis, which is a scientific name for bad breath. You know, his wife said that he had bad breath. But they were not due to his personal sin. Because God had a higher purpose at that time that Job was not privy to initially. Later on, he found out that in the heavenlies, in the spiritual world, something was happening, but that God was in control and God even allowed it. He was sovereign. So is my sickness due to personal sin? Yes and no. Sometimes. Sometimes not. Sometimes due to demons. Moving on to the third question, and here I use the efficiency of the Singlish, uh, of Singlish, uh, because when my, my initial sentence was too long for PowerPoint. So, God faith means we'll be healed. Cannot be more efficient, right? God faith means healed. So, let's look at several cases. Uh, the faith of the person who is sick. The faith of the sick person. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Clear, right? Your faith has healed you. The faith of the sick person. Now, the faith of the friends of the sick, we read earlier in Matthew chapter 9, from verse 2, the man brought a paralytic lying on a mat, lowered him through the roof. Jesus healed the man. When Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the sick person, the faith of the four friends of the sick person who lowered the man, he said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven, and Jesus healed him. So it was the faith of the friends of the sick which healed the paralytic. And now we talk about the faith of the intercessor. In this case, the, the Roman centurion. Somebody who asked Jesus to heal, 
to heal long distance. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Then the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And it was the faith of the intercessing Roman centurion who got his servant far away healed when he brought Jesus by long-distance prayer to that servant. Last week, we also told in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, and in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, about Jesus not being able to do much healing because there was a lack of faith. So there is a link between faith and healing. But, but these two verses does not say that Jesus was unable to do any healing because out of the compassion of his heart, he still healed. He did some healing, although to a lesser degree. So there is a link between faith and healing. But there are also instances in the Bible with people strong in faith, with, with Paul especially, and, and there are many people who are, who are not healed. Uh, let's take the example of um, Trophimus, 2 Tim- Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. This is Paul writing, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I, Paul, left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Again, in Philippians chapter 2, about this guy called Epaphroditus. But I think it is necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So there's Trophimus, there's Epaphroditus, and then there's Timothy himself. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, where Paul told Timothy, Timothy, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. You RSM, regular sick men, frequent illnesses. Get it? So Trophimus, Epaphroditus, Timothy. Now, if I were Apostle Paul, I might have rebuked that sickness in Jesus' name. I might have prayed in faith and command Jesus, command in Jesus' name that Trophimus, Epaphroditus, Timothy be healed in Jesus' name. And then, when you are healed, you join me in ministry to glorify God. I need strong, what it says, fellow worker, fellow soldier to work for the gospel. Jesus, you must heal this man. I cannot leave this guy sick. But I don't see such a simplistic formula in the Bible nor in Paul's ministry. I came across a a very good article by this guy called Sandstorms about faith and healing. And the title it says, Why God Doesn't Always Heal. Let me read that to you. I quote, Faith glorifies God. Faith points us away from ourselves to God. Faith turns us away from our own power and resources to God's. Faith says, Lord, I am nothing and you are everything. I entrust myself to your care. I cling to you alone. My confidence is in your word and in your character no matter what happens. Faith is not a weapon by which we demand things from God or put Him in subjection to us. Faith is an act of self-denial. Faith is a renunciation of one's ability to do anything and a confession that God can do everything. Faith derives its power not from the spiritual energy of the person who believes, but from the supernatural efficacy of the person who is believed that is God. It is not faith's act, but it is faith's object that accounts for the miraculous. I thought this sums it up so well. And then we can go on to question four. No healing, so how? In John chapter 5, 
from verse 3. Here, a great number of disabled people used the Bethesda. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And then he proceeded to heal this person. But note verse 3, a great number of disabled people lied there and they were not healed, just this one person. In Luke chapter 4, verse 27, it reads, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was healed, only Naaman the Syrian. Why weren't all at the pool of Bethesda healed? Why weren't all the leprosy cases healed in Elisha's days? If you read Elisha, his miracles were even more amazing than his mentor, Elijah. He received, as he prayed, a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And his, his miracles are, are just amazing. But why did he not, why was he not able to heal all the leprosy cases? Why are not all Christians healed of all sicknesses? Since we have faith. I want to quote to you two persons who have been mightily used by God in healing ministry. One is Catherine Coleman, K-U-H-L-M-A-N. And she said, the only honest answer I can give is, I don't know. But I am afraid of those who claim that they do know. For only God knows. And who can fathom the mind of God? Another quote is from John Wimber. Some of you may have heard of John Wimber. Mightily use of God in many, many healing cases. And John Wimber says this, Some Christians believe we should never struggle with doubt, fear, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, sorrow, or agony. And when Christians do, it is because they are not exercising the faith they ought to. Periods of disillusionment and despair are sin. If those ideas are true, then I am not a good Christian. Not only have I suffered physically with health problems, but I also spent a great deal of time struggling with depression during my battle with cancer from which he died. And the answer is, I don't know. We don't know. There is a mystery about these things, that God is sovereign. But we do need to understand the three aspects of sickness. That is sickness in body, soul, and spirit. Okay, I'm not good enough at PowerPoint. These three circles ought to overlap, I think, because they are interrelated. So the body, let's say you just found out that you're diagnosed with cancer. It might lead to depression, which affects your soul. The soul is the seat of the mind, the will, emotions. And you have a loss of hope because you don't think that God can heal you. So a, a sickness of the body leads to a sickness of the soul. Or in another case, you, you have just lost your job, right? And you begin to be depressed. It's a sickness of the soul. And then it leads to severe migraine, a sickness of the body. A cure for this could well just be love and friendship among your friends who support you through your time of uh, unemployment. Is that divine healing? Okay, we'll talk about that. Or at, in the spirit, okay, a bodily sickness could be due to demonic spiritual oppression. That's why you are bodily sick. It starts from the spirit. Or it could be a depression that is due to buried memories of of severe abuse or, or sexual abuse when you were very young and you can't even remember it. So it's your spirit mixed with your soul that cause a bodily sickness. And it certainly can be due to unforgiveness in your heart that you have not forgiven someone and therefore it just stirs up your spirit and, and sickness comes about. Or it could be due to your sin not being forgiven by God and do your own guilt so it's all mixed up, the sickness of the body, the soul, and the spirit. And some, especially doctors, will tend to say that this so-called divine healing is all psychosomatic, it's, it's mind over body. That after somebody prays for you, you feel better, and then, yeah, your sickness is gone. It's psychosomatic, no glory to God. But God is the God of the body, God of the soul, and of the spirit. 
So can you say that that is not divine healing? That prayer rests a person's emotions and his mind and leads to bodily healing? Can you say that that is not divine healing? I don't think so. When we were studying the different churches' way of doing things, so we went to Living Sanctuary, which has adopted the healing rooms model, which is like a clinic, right? People come in, they register, they meet two uh, persons who pray with them, ask uh, uh, questions about what kind of sickness they pray with them. In another room, there are intercessors praying for, for all these healing rooms. So Living Sanctuary keeps very good records. So they, the person who comes in, they'll say, are you a believer? Are you not a believer? And of all those who are not believers, who come into the healing room and they did, they've been doing this for several years now, subsequently, they found that 37.25% of those who are non-believers who come from bodily healing, or, or maybe some come for depression, the healing of the soul, they receive Christ. 37.25% finally receives a healing of the Spirit when they come in for body and soul healing. So what do we make of this? I think you can range from extreme skepticism to extreme presumption. Extreme skepticism about divine healing. No need to ask God for healing. God in Singapore has given us good doctors, given us good brains to be doctors, given us good modern medicine, and all healing now comes from doctors and medicine. There is no need to pray for healing you're already given that healing through modern medicine. There is this extreme, which I don't believe many, I hope none of us, agree with. Or there is this extreme insecurity that when we pray for someone to be healed and our prayers are not answered, the person is not healed, God will be embarrassed. We will embarrass God when we pray and nothing happens. Or, when we pray and weird things happen, this person starts to shake, then we will be embarrassed and we will be laughed at. And in any case, what's the point of praying for healing when we all die anyway? So there is this extreme skepticism about divine healing. On the other hand, there is this extreme presumption that is, if I have faith, God must heal. God owes it to me. God owes it to my faith. Right? It's got to be healed. And if there is no healing, whose fault is that? Cannot be God's fault. It must be your fault. And in our study of churches, I went to one church where before they anoint and they pray for healing, this guy was preaching a sermon and he said exactly the same thing. He said, it is God's will to heal and let's believe for healing. If it doesn't happen, whose fault is it? Can it be God's fault? Can you blame God? No, then it must be your fault that you do not have faith. And I heard it with my own ears. So, if we start with a sceptical mindset, I believe we can go to extremes to demand more and more verification. Okay? So, that, oh, you say you've been healed. Can you get a, a, a document from the doctor? Doctor gives you a document. Not good enough. Go for uh, uh, another scan. Go for this test and that test and that. And you can keep on demanding. And at the end of it, it still doesn't satisfy you because you can say, I think uh, the original diagnosis was wrong. You were never sick in the first place. I had this mindset when I looked at the two documents about my son uh, in 1994 and we actually asked the doctor, it's like, maybe the original diagnosis was wrong, that his kidney was 25% bigger, there was a bad news about hydronephrosis and my mind just went Actually, it solves the problem. If the original diagnosis was wrong, he was never sick, then you get this healthy report. They say, oh, good. QED, problem solved. No divine healing. We were all misled in the first place. If you have that kind of a skeptical mindset, that's the road you will go down. Or you can have this extreme presumption mindset and that leads to arrogance to say that, why do you need verification? I pray for you, you are healed, you believe it, that settles it. Why spend your money for another MRI? Thousands of dollars. No need. You believe, right? You believe, then no need to check with the doctors. Again, that is uh, extreme. You see that blue line there? 
That's the bottom line. Bottom line is we're all going to die anyway. Right? So the, all the people that Jesus healed, they all died. Praise the Lord, they were healed. They lived good, happy lives for a season, but they all died. And the bottom line is in Revelation 21, where there will come a day when there will be permanent, physical, eternal healing, where God will wipe every tear from our eyes, no more death or mourning or crying or pain. You can add there, sickness, for the old order of things have passed away. And we praise God that that day will come. So sometimes we are a little bit too hung up over healing of the body especially. So the fifth question and last question is, who has the gift of healing? Let me say that it is my firm belief that, is, that there is no such thing as the gift of healing. No stones thrown. <laughs> I expected you to throw stones. Okay, I'm not heretical, okay? But if you read... Uh, do I have this here? If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, especially in the, the King James Version, which is as literal as can be, it says, to another, gifts of healings. Okay? And then if you look at some of the others, it's works of miracles, distinguishings of spirits, gifts of healings. Let me suggest that this means, okay, we can still debate uh, about this, but let me suggest that this means that in specific instances, at specific times, God gives a gift of healing to you, another gift of healing through you, and another gift. Otherwise, there will be this one person who has the gift of healings, and everyone that I pray for will be healed because I have the gift, and God has given me this gift. So, I suggest to you that this gifts plural of healings plural means I give a gift here out of a sovereign act of grace as God I give you and, and you might be the most unlikely person to pray to heal somebody but I want to give you right because it glorifies me so it's like that specific instances in specific cases some of us may be more used of God like John Wimber or Catherine Coleman but they do not have a hundred percent hit rate of everybody that they pray for gets healed. Otherwise, I think they will get too proud. So no one has this produced divine healing uh, at will, but all of us can pray, must pray. And God, in a sovereign act of grace, gives one gift, one gift, one gift. So these are the five questions. You are likely to have more. We have only just begun this journey together. Some of us might have had more experience uh, in this, so please be humble. Bring the rest of us along. Some of us have zero experience in this. In fact, you're, you're kind of maybe not sceptical, but even a little bit afraid of where we are going. Again, be humble. Uh, let's, let's learn. Let's continue praying. You cannot go wrong praying. And let's journey uh, together. And until I reach my bottom line, I will continue to try and answer questions, right? Mostly, I guess, uh, from the Bible. Uh, but also as we build up more experience in this, we will know how to tackle uh, this whole ministry of, of healing. Okay, I want to address one last issue, and uh, maybe the musicians can just prepare for a closing song if we have time. This is the issue that some people believe that divine healing and medical professionals are mutually exclusive. And there is this tendency to rubbish those in the medical profession of which we have many in this church, huh? doctors and, and nurses and medical professionals. And so we, we, we say things like, I reject this sickness um, in, in Jesus' name, and uh, in the same breath, we also reject the doctors who pronounce a certain sickness. It's not their fault, okay? They, their training says that based on this, 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 and this symptom, you're likely to be sick with this sickness. But we say, I reject. And, and at the same time, I say, I reject the doctor so-and-so. Doctor so-and-so is saying rubbish. One of Paul's closest traveling companion was Dr. Luke, a fellow mission tripper. If I go on a mission trip, I like to have doctors around. So I'm beginning to think that maybe Paul had the same idea. That when he goes on a mission trip, it's great to have Dr. Luke around. So he did not rubbish uh, Dr. Luke 
one time I recorded a video testimony uh, about somebody and this person shared that, oh, I, the Lord healed me of this and that and, and in the same breath proceeded to rubbish the doctor's uh, uh, diagnosis. How wrong uh, the doctor was and so I edited that part out. Because this person has a fantastic testimony but I don't think in the same breath you need to say that how wrong the doctor was and how incompetent or, or whatever he was. I just chopped this off. So easy to do. But we need to appreciate that medicine is still is a science. They claim it to be a science, but it is a very imprecise science too. There's still a lot of mystery to it. And so patients, we need to love and appreciate our doctors, please. And doctors, you need to be humble and appreciate that God does intervene in a divine way. And to me, it's, it's, it's very simple, right? We are called to pray. So believers pray, doctors treat, God heals. Okay? Doctors do not heal. Right? God heals. So believers, we keep on praying. Doctors, you keep on studying and you learn and you experiment and you treat the best you can. But ultimately, it is God who heals. And God doesn't just heal, heal the body. He heals body, soul and spirit. And they're all interrelated. In John chapter 4, there was a story of of a royal official asking Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus said, you may go, your son is healed. And we praise God for his healing grace. In 1994, I asked Jesus to heal my son of moderately severe hydronephrosis. Jesus said, you may go, your son is healed. And I praise God for his healing grace. In the same year, 1994, I asked Jesus to heal my son of his adenoid problem. And Jesus said, you may go through the surgery. I will be with you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. So as I carried my son and I walked through the surgery with him, Jesus was walking that journey with me. For some, God will say, I will heal you. For others, in His sovereign will, He will say, I will hold you. I will hold you as you go through the sickness. For some, God says, I will work a miracle in you. For others, he will say, I will walk that mile with you. Through the valley of the shadow of death, my grace is sufficient with you, for you. I want to end with what I hope will become a PPH way of life. Okay, this is a little bit cute, okay, a bit cheesy. The, the acronym PPH. The first P is to pastor your community. Okay, I go back to capping. A capping way of life, not just in Teban Gardens that we are always constantly on the lookout to bless people, whether people in your home, in your school, in your office, in your church, in your cell group, in Teban Gardens, your favourite hawkers, you want to bless them, the one selling you the tissue paper, the uncle cleaning your table, we want to bless them. It's our community. And then PH stands for Pray for Healing. Okay? And so let's be bold to pray in faith. Don't, don't worry about God's reputation. Right? God is not going to be embarrassed if you pray and nothing uh, happens. Remember, our job is to pray. The doctor's job to treat, but it's God's job to heal. So let's make this our way of life. And not just on the first Wednesday of the month. Uh, earlier in the first service, a lady before the service came, oh, yeah, Pastor, I missed the first thing. I got something on. I so much wanted to be there at the first healing prayer service. I said, don't worry. Now, lah, now something can happen today, this Sunday. So, don't just have this mindset for the first Wednesday of the month. It's for the first Wednesday of the month, the second Wednesday, every Sunday, every Friday at Cell Group. Let prayer for healing be our way of life. And I just pray that soon we will have a constant stream of testimonies about healing body, soul and spirit that that I now have to try and prioritize which one to share first. Okay, currently I don't have. Okay, currently I'm like, hey, please, uh, anybody, anybody got, got a testimony? But I hope the day will come when, when I will have a stack that I can choose from. Okay, and let's pray for that day to come. Shall we rise and, and sing this song together?
James chapter 5 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you will be healed. So let's do that. Let's pray for one another. Body, soul and spirit. And sometimes we cannot distinguish between them. Sometimes they overlap. But would you pray? Would you stand in prayer for yourself or for someone else? I also like to ask that you might want to stand in proxy. That we do long distance prayer. We do Romans and children kind of prayer with Jesus. And ask the Lord for His healing grace. Ask the Lord to heal our transgressions. Ask the Lord for His compassion and His mercy. So that as we sing, altar is open. Let's come forward and let's pray. Let the doctors treat and let God heal. Love me. 
body, soul, and spirit. And we thank you for the three who were healed in their spirit yesterday, received into the kingdom of God, sins forgiven. We th- I thank you for a brother today in the first service who prayed to receive you yes. as Lord and Savior, 50 plus years old, healed in the spirit, forgiveness of sins granted. Lord, would more come on. We pray for the healing body too for many here with bodily illness healed in Jesus name we pray too for the healing of the soul many with emotional issues with deep memories that disturbs us healed in Jesus name in the soul thank you Lord all glory goes to you in Jesus name Amen